Welcome to the Ether. Today is Wednesday, August 10th, 2022. Today on the Ether, Cosmonaut Bootcamp, exploring the depths of liquidity with Say Network, hosted by Tendermint Timmy. Let's take a listen. How's it going, guys? It's going well. How are you doing today? Doing good. Cannot complain. I just got a little bit of tennis in. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah. Touch some grass, as the crypto people say. <laughs> yeah. I wish it was clay, then it would be closer to touching grass. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, we'll we'll let people trickle in here for a minute. Um, yeah, either of you, uh, other two, do anything fun today? On par with tennis? Not nothing too fun. I spent most of the day inside. Yep. <laughs> um, I, I'll, I'll touch some grass after this uh, spaces. Yeah, I mean, I'm calling from Bay right now, so it's we just in the work grind the entire day. Gonna go running in a little bit though. Uh, where? Wait, from where did you say? Uh, I'm in San Francisco. Oh, cool! That is where I am at the moment for the next week. Oh, that's, awesome. <laughs> that's hilarious! Cool. Well, where should, are you? Uh, uh, I'm just out here on like a vacation in uh, in the city here, and uh, yeah, I'll be here for another week. Sounds like you guys have some Friday afternoon plans. Yeah, we should definitely try and link up. Actually, I don't think I have much going on this weekend. It's my chill weekend, so yeah. Where uh, is it just you that's in the Bay Area here, Jay? I forget. I think you guys are elsewhere, right? Deedle and and who do we have on the Say account today? Joe. Yeah. Hi, I'm Joe. Um, I work in uh, community and growth for Say, and I've had the pleasure to speak on behalf of the Say Network account. And so are you guys all got, got the right voice for it. Say again. <laughs> Joe's got the right voice for the Say account. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, cool, we're, we're, cool. We we have like two big buckets of people. We have basically the entire engineering team and some of the growth folks based in San Francisco. Um, and then we have another group of people that are based in New York. And then I guess we have some folks that are scattered throughout the rest of the world. Yeah, like Jay and myself, or uh, Joe and myself. <laughs> yeah, so I'm in um, uh, Puerto Rico. Cool. Um, so actually, real quick, just since we were talking about the team, I know it's kind of sometimes not a simple answer with Web3 projects, but like how, how big is the core, say, network team? How many of you guys are there? We obviously have you three tonight. Yeah. So the Yeah, old, so... Yeah, you, you could take it. Okay, my bad. Yeah, well, that's, the thing with spaces is sometimes the unmute button is like a, l- a little delayed. Um, yeah, so we're 18. Um, and on engineering side, it's 10 full time. And then, uh, Joe and myself and the rest of like growth, BD, HR, and, uh, like marketing is eight total. So yeah, we're, uh, 18 total. Cool. So pretty like sizable team, but small enough to stay focused. I feel like that's kind of a gold, Goldilocks zone for team sizes. 
Exactly. We're, we're definitely looking to scale as we have more and more protocols building on say, and um, as we have more and more business development to do, but we're also only looking to scale as we find like really stellar people that are just like, you know, we definitely need them on the team. Kind of like um, what um, uh, Thyborg did going to informal. Like there's a lot of really good people where it makes sense to bring them on. But to your point, we're already at like a really good like sweet spot. Um, so we're definitely being intentional as we grow. Cool. Very cool. So I want to give you guys all a chance to do sort of personal intros, but maybe let's do that right after a brief intro of what say is just so that everything can kind of be in context for people where you guys fit into the puzzle. So let's start at the top. Do you want to, uh, any of you can take this one, just sort of a brief overview of say network and say, say, sigh, you know how to say it. All right. Okay. We're hoping I finally got it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, no, say is an, a layer one blockchain that is built for the next generation of DeFi protocols. And what does that mean? It means that we see that DeFi has, has had some product market fit and there's some traction and, you know, ever since kind of DeFi summer 2020, um, people got really hyped and then we had all the food coins and then we had, um, some of the like crazy yield farming mania and stuff. But we, we started to, you know, realize that we can do some of the functions that we would have with banking or commercial banking or wall street on chain, which was fucking dope, but we didn't get all the way there. Um, and AMMs have been awesome. And, and speaking of product market fit, like you think of things like Uniswap or you think of curve or you think of, um, or, or you think of like, you know, even liquid staking, things like that have, gained a ton of traction, but everything within DeFi to date that's really had significant traction has been built on an AMM. Um, and so we haven't seen derivatives and kind of more advanced financial products scale to the level and, and capacity, which they have potential for on chain, but it's not like they aren't huge already. You think of things like FTX and Binance and KuCoin and uh, OKX and all these centralized exchanges that are doing leverage trading and a lot more kind of like financial um, products and derivatives. And a lot of that hasn't come on chain yet. And it kind of needs to, right? Because with regulatory scrutiny, there's a lot of demand for a lot of this to come on chain um, and, and become decentralized. And so we're building out a base layer chain at say as an infrastructure layer for all these DeFi teams to build on. And we're doing it around an on-chain order book so that you're not leveraging, you're not dependent on an AMM and some of the inefficiency of an AMM that you have the full capacity that you would have on a centralized exchange with an order book, but able to do it on chain and still custody your assets. Cool. So would it, so maybe like a good way to think about what you guys are doing is somewhere in between an app chain and like an open permissionless chain where like other people are going to come and build, there's going to be tons of third party teams and protocols and projects, but it's, for the most part, I don't know why anyone would build there if it wasn't centered around this central order book liquidity that you guys kind of have at a chain level. Is that accurate? Yeah. So the simplest way to think of say is if you take Serum on Solana, just strip it out of Solana and put it onto its own L1 chain. And then you're able to make all the choices, customization, add in any special functionality you need at the chain level to lead to the best possible performance for Serum as infrastructure. And then afterwards, you can draw in good teams to start building DEXs and to start building actual applications on top of it. So say is purely going to be infrastructure that enables the best kind of order book um, science moving forward. 
Awesome. Okay, cool. I want to dig more into all of that, but just with a good little base there and a background, um, let's maybe go through. We'll just go left to right. We could do Deedle, Joe, and then Jay. If you guys want to give a little intro for yourselves, how you arrived at Say in particular, and uh, yeah, where you fit in. Awesome. No, I appreciate it. Uh, Tenor and Timmy, thanks for setting this all up. This is cool, and it's it's good for us to just continue to connect with more cosmonauts. Um, I'm definitely a proud cosmonaut. Uh, I grew up in Wisconsin and then um, worked in the nonprofit sector for about six years. Uh, I met my eventual wife there in Chicago, and then we left to serve in the Peace Corps, and we were in Costa Rica, um, serving in like a rural island uh, for local entrepreneurs there. But I also, during Peace Corps, there's times where you're super busy and there's times where like people are canceling your meetings or whatever. And you just kind of have to know that that's a part of the reality. And so I came in prepared and also kind of worked on personal finance and uh, started getting into investing. And I fell down the crypto rabbit hole, like 2016 era. Uh, and so like the past five years, I've really been full-time crypto. Uh, I've led marketing at Block Party and I've also uh, started a marketing and PR agency for a bunch of crypto projects and took on a lot of clients. Um, but then the last several years I've been leading as uh, I've been in the cosmos and I was the um, founder of Exidio building on Sentinel, uh, the decentralized VPN protocol. And I was kind of the face of that project. And uh, the second I got to talk to Jay at the beginning of this year and understood kind of the potential for, as Jay mentioned, basically a serum of its own L1 chain and building out the next generation of DeFi. I was like, let's fucking go. So. Yeah, since the beginning of this year, I've been uh, working on Say, and it's it's been an awesome journey, and it's been incredible to watch the team, especially the engineering team, ship at such crazy speed. That's awesome. I think I still have a phone somewhere with Exidio downloaded on it. I didn't, I didn't know about that. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Cool. Joe, do you want to go ahead? Go next. We'll just go down the line. Um, yeah, thanks for uh, giving us the chance to talk a little bit about Say and in the Cosmos space. Um, I'm Joe. I... I'm in the growth and marketing team at Say. Um, like Deedle, I'm also from Wisconsin. So I graduated from UW-Madison with a communications and marketing degree. Um, I have a background in traditional marketing, growing an array of social media accounts from zero to tens of thousands of followers. Um, and I joined the crypto space at around 2019. Um, I, I just noticed how like enthused and passionate people were um, in the in the crypto space as a whole, and I I started to understand the power of crypto communities. Um, I actually joined Say after being in a DeFi Discord, and I happened to connect with one of the team members, and um, I was just immediately impressed with like their vision and and their ambition to to really take DeFi to the next level. So um, you know, when I got to know the team a little more, um, I started working with them full time, and I, I never looked back. So. I'm really thankful for the opportunity and, and really happy just to meet like all the great people in the crypto space and, and the Cosmos ecosystem. Beautiful. That's a lovely, lovely place to reside, I'd say. All right, take it away, Jay. Awesome. Um, so yeah, I lead engineering for Say. Um, my crypto journey started in 2017. At that time, my roommate, he was going through Binance Launchpad. Um, so we worked on a few different things together. After that, I joined Robinhood, where I saw the company 10x. Um, and I mean, during my time, there was one kind of major takeaway that I had, which is that transparency really does matter. Um, I was there for GME last year, and it was just a total shit show, both from the outside, I guess, as the rest of the world was looking in, and also from the inside. Like there was just no real transparency. No one really knew what was happening on the inside. Everything was extremely opaque and frustrating. 
Um, and I mean, it just really wasn't good that um, this is what was kind of playing out. And I mean, we've seen this play out again with stuff like 3AC, which happened pretty recently. Um, transparency is really important. And um, that was one of the key things that I noticed from Robinhood. Um, besides that, I think Robinhood was interesting. Um, it's the only company that has successfully on-ramped retail, and especially like millions of folks from retail to more companies. Um, so felt like there was a massive opportunity to do that in a transparent manner on-chain, on-chain derivatives or to middle of last year. Um, this led us down the rabbit hole of comparing the different ways that you can design chain derivatives. Um, the most common approach is by making use of AMMs. And this is what you've seen with Perpetual's protocol or like Drift or other um, derivatives that are based off of AMMs. Um, and this doesn't really scale, and I can go more into that if um, it would be helpful. But this approach doesn't really work. It has, had, it has blown up multiple times in the past. Um, and I mean, the solution for that is often to make use of like a concentrated liquidity approach, but that's just going closer and closer to being an order book. Um, and the second approach is to make use of an order book um, and building your derivatives exchange on top of an order book. Um, and this is better. It's just that it hasn't really worked very well in the past because it's hard to have any kind of order book existing on-chain and especially scaling on-chain. Um, no one has been able to successfully do that. Serum's the one that's come the closest, but even with Serum, if you talk to people that are using Serum or, or I guess using any of the apps built on top of Serum or market making for any of these apps, um, it's just really, really difficult because as soon as there's any kind of network congestion, um, it just completely hurts um, the market maker kind of experience. Uh, for example, there's one second of network or one minute of network congestion, then you as a market maker cannot cancel your orders that are there on the order book. Whereas other players like Jump, for example, that have their own validator and might be able to get in orders will be able to pick you off and then you just end up losing a bunch of money. So um, no one has really been able to do this. And the fundamental problem is that you can't build um, you can't build an order book on any kind of general purpose chain. And that's kind of what we started off. Um, that was kind of the inspiration per se. We wanted to build order book infrastructure that can scale. So closer to the beginning of this year, um, we stopped building a DEX and we started building infrastructure that'll allow other DEXs to be built in a very kind of scalable manner. Okay, cool. So at, at launch for the network then, just see if I'm understanding this right. Um, it's not it's not, it shouldn't be thought about uh like an app chain dex like osmosis only it has an order book instead of amm um if if there is a dex at launch it would be like a third party protocol built atop your infrastructure correct exactly we are not a dex we are purely yep. infrastructure and we're going to have really good founders to come and build dexes on top of us okay cool so I guess I want to dig in a little to the like how as far as how that all works um, and what might be helpful. We could approach this as two separate questions because I, I don't know how comparable they are. But as a way to talk about that, maybe we can talk about how you guys are doing things different than existing order book DEXs. So like in the Cosmos, we have Injective and now Kujira. Um, and I won't claim to know exactly how they work under the hood, but it seems like you guys are going thing going about things kind of fundamentally different. They're more so app chains. And so uh, maybe two separate questions, how you guys differ from them versus how you guys work, but maybe they're wrapped into one. Not sure. Sure. Yeah. Dan can handle more of the, uh, so I mean, at a technical level, what say is, is an L1 chain with the built-in order book module. Um, so we basically, we're basically using most of Vanilla Cosmos SDK, and then we're adding in an order book module 
that apps can use to build on top of us. So if you're going to be creating a DEX, you'd write a smart contract, and then you can make use of our order book module to uh, basically have a scalable order book that you can use. Um, from a technical standpoint, there's three areas that are critically important for us. The first one is latency. Uh, we want to have really, really fast block times. And at the moment, what we're seeing in DevNet is we're going to be the fastest Cosmos chain by the time we launch. And we could potentially be beating Solana in terms of um, latencies as well. Um, the second priority for us is high throughput. So we're focusing a lot of time on stuff such as parallelization and also replacing the storage layer um, that is there naturally with the Cosmos SDK to have higher throughput and just being able to better handle um, the kind of scale that you need for an order book. And the last thing that's top of mind for us is preventing MEV. Um, so right now we're making use of uh, frequent batch auctioning to help with MEV within orders in the scope of a block. And in the longer term, we're going to be making use of other methods such as um, guaranteed sequence numbers or, or uh, threshold encryption to help with MEV as well. Um, so, I mean, yeah, at this time, at this point in time, um, the chain itself is really fast. Um, it's going to be the fastest Cosmos chain. And that's one of the things that our team has been spending a lot of time focusing on. And that's going to be a pretty big differentiator versus any other chain, especially from a market maker point of view. Um, the longer, or I guess the higher the latencies are, the looser the spread needs to be for any kind of liquidity that they provide, um, which ends up hurting the trading experience. Um, so that's one thing that we're spending a lot of time on. And then, um, yeah, I mean, we're going to be spending more and more time on some of the other things, such as, uh, I guess, replacing the stair uh, storage layer and then um, focusing more on sharding and atomic and chain transactions to help with greater throughput in the future as well. Okay, cool. So where does the liquidity lie? I think this is like, as far as uh, when they use your order book infrastructure, is it just that, just infrastructure? Or are they also tapping into shared liquidity for the whole chain? Yeah, so for derivatives, having shared liquidity doesn't really uh, make as much sense as it would for a spot. Um, but to answer your question, each DEX would be responding in their own liquidity. And by default, you will not be having pooled liquidity. Um, this is a very conscious decision that we made because DEXs, they're not going to, like their moat ends up being their liquidity. Like having tighter spreads is the way that you distinguish yourself from other exchanges. And if you are to just bring in a lot of liquidity and then someone else could just get kickstarted and basically stuff off liquidity, then that isn't really um, that strong of a selling point for any good deck that wants to build on top of us. So we were very kind of um, intentionally having separate liquidity um, from the get-go. Okay, cool, yeah. And, and so I'm just curious because of sort of your initial answer there, are you guys planning, or I, I know it's a little out of your control with third party, anticipating is maybe a better word, anticipating more derivative type products rather than spot on, on your platform? Is that the idea? Well, not necessarily. Yeah, so the focus is going to be primarily on derivatives. And I mean, we're going to be releasing an RFP in the future. Um, I think that derivatives are going to be able to benefit a lot from some uh, of these specialized order book related use cases. Um, there will be, I guess, the ability to build in spot, but um, our team is going to be focusing on bringing a lot more derivative focus founders on, on say. Um, do you have anything to add for that, Dan? I guess you nailed it. Cool. Um, so, okay. Okay, gotcha. So when I think of... I guess let's talk more about like derivatives then. So when I think of derivatives in general, I think of things like, uh, you know, 
BitMEX, Bybit, like uh, synthetic sort of perpetual swaps. Um, there's obviously a lot of other types. And then when I think of on-chain derivatives, like the the word gets a little bit murkier in terms of exactly what it could mean. So is this like, I'll just turn it over to you, but is this synthetic assets? Is this uh, like commodities? Are you trying to, or is it other tokens uh, in the, I mean, probably maybe both, but yeah. What kind of products are you guys aiming to have traded on protocols on the network? Um, so I, I guess, first of all, I think Dan is having trouble entering. Is it possible to re-add him? Yeah. The problem is, it says he's still here for me. Yeah, let me try. Let me try kicking him. Cool. And the second thing, I guess your your core question is, what kind of products are we going to be focusing on, basically onboarding to say, right? Yeah, basically. Uh, and just like what what exactly is meant by derivatives in an on-chain sense, because it's a little bit different than the traditional world. Yeah. So, I mean, the on-chain derivatives would be very similar to derivatives that you would see um, in centralized finance as well. Um, so you mentioned perps, you mentioned options, you mentioned, um, I guess, basically different flavors of the stuff that you would see happening in centralized exchanges, except offering them in a decentralized, transparent, and completely on-chain manner. Um, that's what we're going to be enabling through, through say. Okay, gotcha. And I think, yeah, Dennis has more to add on to that. Yeah, yeah. yeah he's getting back. Here we go. So, no, to your point, to your point, uh, Timmy, there, there will be a lot more kind of like variety and um, it, the design space opens up a lot with the, with the base layer infrastructure of an order book. So that's why AMMs have taken off so much and like simple, like swap, you know, Osmo for Adam um, type like Uniswap and, and Osmosis and, and things like that have taken off because there's a great product market fit for just being able to do a market order at that time, swapping between two different assets. But a lot of the more um, exotic and like interesting decentralized financial products um, have had like less success on chain or um, are to Jay's point earlier, aren't, going, aren't best designed without like order book infrastructure. Um, but yeah, it does look like things like um, a derivatives product, like a, um, a perpetuals trading product like DYDX, or it can look like synthetic assets, like, synth, uh, like synthetics, or it can look like a, um, a futures market or um, a commodity trading uh, platform or uh, a predictions market. And for sports betting, um, there's kind of a lot of different avenues and applications that can be built once you have this underlying infrastructure. And especially like Jay mentioned earlier, you know, they were looking at this idea of building the best order book infrastructure and how do they, how do we do that? And then looking at, it's not possible on a general purpose L1. So we really needed to build something that was, resilient and going to be able to last even with, um, you know, instead of competing with block space with other applications and then looking at the tech stack and understanding what, uh, the Cosmos SDK and a lot of the optimizations that we're doing, like at the storage layer and customizing Tendermint, uh, core, and then, um, Cosmos was smart contracts. And then the, you know, composability and interoperability of IBC and interchain accounts that completely just like when you have that tech stack, you're basically sovereign and self-armed to be able to build things that weren't possible when you know you're just operating on ETH or on an L2 or on Solana. Um, so we'll have the the throughput and and um, we'll have the like low latency of Solana, but 
the composability of IBC and the design space just really opens up when you can use underlying underlying order book as an infrastructure. And um, one thing that's separating say from other chains and it's osmosis is this way as well. So say is a permission chain. So it's, it's permissionless to use. Anyone can, you know, integrate, like connect their Kepler wallet and use any DeFi application built on say, but to be able to build on say uh, you need to go through on-chain governance and get um, accepted to be like an exceptional team and a product that makes a lot of sense um, leveraging the order book. And in that way, it um, is kind of governing what applications can, get, can come on and then how much block space is being consumed so that you can't have people spamming the chain or you can't have, um, you know, NFTs or gaming just take up a ton of block space uh, that is ne needed, especially like to Jay's point, when market makers are trying to up update the order book. So that's the uh, underlying premise. And yeah, the types of applications that can be built on, say, are the, the variety is pretty imp impressive, I think. Cool. Okay. So I guess the next place my mind goes, just because I'm a big Oracle guy, is like how derivatives on chain typically need an Oracle to kind of get the price of the thing that the synthetic assets being derived from. Um, how does that work in your guys' model? Do you have just an Oracle you're working with or is there some <laughs> other angle? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. So the approach that we're using right now is native price Oracles. And we think that's going to end up being the best way to have high quality um, data feeds just be built into the chain. Um, at a technical level, the way that it works is each validator is required to submit price feeds for a certain number of assets. Um, this list of assets is determined by governance. So governance can update the list whenever appropriate. Um, and then the validators they will either be rewarded if they provide price feeds that are good. And if they provide price feeds that are either uh, completely wrong, or they provide, or they just don't provide feeds, then they'll get slashed for it. Um, so every single block, validators will be required to submit price feeds, um, and then we'll calculate uh, median, and then we'll identify outliers and kind of um, analyze them. Of course, with that being said, we realize that there's opportunities for other kind of Oracle providers to come in as well. Um, one of the more interesting use cases is one-off data feeds. So if you need to have um, Let's say you're creating a prediction market and you need to know the result of a tennis match that's happening two weeks from now. Um, maybe using the kind of on like native price oracle isn't the best and convenient solution over there. Um, so we're going to be working with other oracle providers as well to have basically seamless um, integrations for one-off price feeds and also in the future for uh, more custom price feeds that might not get approved by governance. Cool. Okay. I've never... Okay, I haven't even thought about using like validators as a price feed. And so would it be up to each individual validator how they want to get that price and, and submit it? And I assume most would do like a script. Exactly. That's would entirely it? up to the validator. Um, gotcha. And we will give, I guess, recommendations to the validators outward. But like at the end of the day, if the validator has a preference where that data should come from, that is um, their decision to make. Hmm. Okay. Cool. Interesting. And then... Sweet. Okay, cool. Um, so let's see. Let's that that sort of explains that. And I loved Dan. I loved uh, your sort of answer that it's a little bit of everything. Like it could be commodities, could be um, perpetuals, options. Um, it's kind of in the community's hands of what they want to build. Um, so for the governance gated uh, building, I guess permissioned sort of uh, DApp creation. That sort of leads to the question of 
how does the chain sort of get its start? Like what's, where's the Genesis supply who initially controls the voting for the first round of projects? Um, I know you guys are doing like a couple test nets. You're, you're in one now. Um, but yeah, well, I guess Genesis might just Genesis sort of uh, supply and distribution of tokens. Let's start there. Like what's that going to look like? Yeah, happy to talk to that. So um, the official tokenomics um, will be released soon, but we haven't released it uh, officially yet. But to your point about kind of where will some of the tokens lie, um, there is the goal of having some type of public um, offering so that people can get access to tokens directly um, through um, some sort of like public offering, um, you know, distribution and like a sales uh, platform. And then we're also, you know, going to be delegating to top validators and the way that validators can earn kind of a spot in the active set and a delegation is by bringing value to say, and that, that, you know, there's a lot of ways you can do that, but especially by participating in the ongoing incentivized testnet, uh, the say NAMI testnet, and we've been working closely with them. Uh, that's been a, it's been a pretty big, um, testnet. Uh, we had 2,500 different validators that applied to be a part of it. Um, and we selected the top 250 to be a part of an active rotating set. Uh, and the active set within testnet is 50 validators. Uh, and then there's like five groups that rotate through to be a part of the like current active set. Um, but those validators that uh, are part of the Genesis block and uh, get foundation delegation will have tokens to be able to vote on on-chain governance and everyone that purchases tokens through a public offering will be able to. Um, and then, um, there are already protocols that have decided to build on say, and, uh, we're still kind of in the middle of an incentivized test net and are looking to probably go, the goal is to go on mainnet ideally in Q4. Um, so we're still at least a couple months out, but it's impressive. Um, the amount of traction and kind of demand we've seen, even though we're only on testnet. Uh, I think we're close to, I think not quite 20, like 18 confirmed teams that have, are building their DeFi applications on say. Uh, which is even way more than we would have anticipated at this stage. Uh, so we feel really fortunate to have that kind of like uh, kind of demand off the bat and like, re- and like early reception. Um, and so that's why we're really focused on building a really resilient chain. Um, but those teams have shown interest and then they would still need to uh, present it and, and get publicly vote on, voted on to come on chain. Um, but we do know that um, that there's two protocols that have, have like already proven to have strong teams and are making solid progress. And so um, we're hopeful that they get passed uh, through governance. But one is uh, Vortex, which is a perpetuals, uh, perpetual contracts trading platform. And then another one is called Faro, which is uh, synthetic assets. Um, but um, there are a few different teams that are looking at building synthetic assets alongside Faro um, for, that, for that protocol. Sweet. Yeah. Okay, so and for main net is the val set also going to be 50 50 yeah. validators or yeah so a couple of things so around around the exact validators that side that's still tbd um we're doing yeah. a bunch of benchmarking to see what the ideal performance is going to be with um different sizes of the validator set and also their geolocation um what we're currently seeing is that uh being co-located has a lot of benefits and the natural state of how validators kind of get spun up they tend to be like Solana did a pretty extensive study on this. They tend to be located in United States and Germany anyway, and most validators tend to be using either AWS or Hetzner. Um, so we might be trying to push for 
a somewhat smaller validator, smaller validator set in certain geographic zones and then expanding it from there. Um, the, the one other thing that I would mention on top of what Dan said before um, is the Genesis token supply will also potentially have um, small airdrop that will be distributing to uh, a wide number of people. Um, so hopefully this will be a good way for the community to um, start experimenting with say and getting involved from very early on as well. Cool. Okay. So what do you guys right off the bat envision additional uses for the native token, which I assume will be say as uh, aside from paying fees and governance, like will it be integrated as part of platforms in any way or will it actually, I guess that's sort of sort of a two part question, but very related. It'll probably be the same uh, on your guys' network in that, uh, like, Vortex, I believe, is one of the ones you said. They'll probably have a token for their platform, correct? Yeah, so we're trying to be completely neutral as an L1 chain. So it becomes really messy mm-hmm. if the L1 token is going to be used as incentive for any of the projects building on top of it. So what we have currently planned, um, and will most likely be the case, is that, say, will be purely an L1 token. And it'll have a lot of the same usages as any other um, normal one token would around securing the chain um, governance and also helping pay for transaction fees. And then we're not trying to have it play too many um, application-specific roles. Okay, cool. And I guess, too, just thinking through it, since at least initially everything will be derivative-based, because like I'm thinking the other role that native L1 tokens often play is like, kind of central liquidity pool like on juno swap the biggest pools are with juno on you know ethereum there with on, on uniswaps sushi etc they're with eth but that that wouldn't be the case either really with yours because there aren't or, or would it would, would that be up to a protocol like if they yeah that would be entirely up to the protocol yeah um, what we anticipate is having a stable coin being the other pair in any or the other asset in any kind of pair is probably going to end up being the coin. Oh, cool. So what we anticipate, like if there are spot markets, we anticipate it would be against USDC rather than being Kense. Um, we think that's just going to lead to um, the kind of cleanest user experience. Definitely. Yeah, without a doubt. Okay, cool. So I think this sort of got answered uh, by a lot of just what we've been talking about, but just because Dan, your mic was not working earlier and I knew we were going to turn it over to you. So um, sort of what makes you guys unique from other order book based projects. So whether they're app chains like Kajira or Injective or, you know, I guess I can't think of any right now, but I assume, you know, in time um, order book based DEXs might pop up on like, Juno or other general purpose chains that will not be custom built for them. Um, so what's sort of your guys' unique uh, and differentiator from, I guess, as a user's perspective? Like if I just, uh, I, I don't want to get into the nitty gritty. I'm not going to build and develop an app. I just want to go trade in a way that is similar to my central exchange experience. Why might I head over to say instead of Injective or Kujira or XYZ? Yeah, definitely. So. Um, I think your one point was, was aptly made and that a lot of pro- like protocols are not uniquely built and like optimized for an order book. So um, I would probably put Kujira in that category. Um, they, they're the kind of main platform, but then their main decks that they built um, 
that I think it's called Finn that's using an order book is also their own protocol. And so they'll, I think having kind of um, built the decks and the order book and the infrastructure layer, um, I think it's going to be hard to do both and do both effectively and scale. And then also it's going to be hard probably to uh, recruit a lot of other DeFi teams to build because um, there's kind of a conflict of interest. If you're building some of the, the DEX products on your own chain, um, then you're probably, it's going to be harder not to show favoritism to your own products. Um, but also just overall performance. So as Jay was mentioning, we're going to be the fastest uh, Cosmos space chain ever. Um, and, and we want to continue to improve that performance so that we actually see like sub 500 millisecond block times and actually compete with like latency of like Solana. And that's how you're able to actually maintain an on-chain order book. So you really need low latency um, because if we're doing something like um, frequent batch auctioning, uh, like what Jay was mentioning for preventing MEV, the way that that works is um, it's just best kind of explain with an example, like Timmy, you put up an order for uh, a sale of Adam at $11. And I put up an order for a sale of Adam at 1050. Um, and then there are people that fill our, our asks. Um, you would get filled with your ask at, 10, at $11 and I would get filled with my ask at 1050. But the takers on the other side of that trade would both get filled at $10.75. But that would be only if all of those uh, fills happen within the same, you know, give or take half second block. So, um, Makers still get order execution based on their um, their placements on the order book, and then the takers get the average of those transactions within that block. So shorter blocks leads to better order execution while also preventing MEV. Um, and so I think that it's a combination of a chain that's optimized for an order book and all the decision making and the performance meets kind of the expectations of an on-chain order book. And then also, um, some of the design decisions around kind of a uh, uh, like anti-competitiveness kind of perspective, trying to build the dApps on your own chain. Um, and injective is also that way, right? So it's the injective blockchain, but then the injective protocol or the, the dApp is also called injective. Um, so if we want to build out a really resilient and robust DeFi ecosystem, I think that it's better to just remain focused on the infrastructure and build that out incredibly well so that teams that are better than us at building applications can come and build on us. Okay, cool. So a couple of questions. I just want to walk through this. First off, I know this is variable. It's like still changing and, and things are getting tweaked, but like roughly what kind of block time do you think we're looking at for mainnet? Yeah, it depends a lot on how much throughput we are seeing. Um, if there's <laughs> no throughput, then realistically we'll have between 400 and 500 millisecond block times. Um, we're doing load testing to see what block times we'll have once we, um, I guess right now we're adding in parallelization. So similar to how Solana, um, Sui, Aptos are all making use of parallelization, we're doing something fairly similar um, to basically just push the bound for how much throughput we can get. So realistically, we're going to be having tens of thousands of transactions per second and sub one second block times by the time we launch on the net. Okay, that's awesome. Jake, could you speak a little bit to parallelization and kind of the idea behind it and how it functions? 
Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, wait, wait, uh, before you do that, just while I'm thinking about it, cause I, I actually did want to dig into that as well, but just so when you say that block time, block time is sort of dependent on throughput, is that, do you mean it's dependent uh, on variables that you guys will manually tweak to find the best balance or that it is dynamic? Like if a block isn't that full, it would process quicker or if there's more throughput, it would process slower. Is it a dynamic, yeah. like automatic thing it's, or just something you guys are fine tuning? Yeah, I mean, it's a combination of both. There's a lot of Tendermint configs that we're fine tuning to be able to get the best possible block times. Um, but then mm-hmm. in terms of like, a block that has um, we no transaction in it, transactions in it will be much faster to process at an application layer um, than a block that is full and has thousands or tens of thousands of orders inside of it, right? So there's going to be, we've optimized a bunch of the Tendermint uh, configurations to get a lower bound that is closer to 400 milliseconds. Um, and afterwards, there's also going to be the application level processing. And that's uh, the latency for that is going to be a function of how much throughput there is. Um, so if there's higher throughput, then that'll take longer to process. And that's kind of why we approach parallelization, because that's going to be the most clear way for us to be able to get faster um, processing at the application level. Okay, cool. Cool. So let's talk about parallelization a little more. I can infer roughly what it is just from the roof wo- root word, but um, yeah, let's let's have it explained yeah. a bit better than <laughs> how I probably would. Yeah, so the default way that most chains function is that they sequentially execute transactions. So there's a consensus layer that says this is the order of transactions. Then the execution layer will go through each transaction one by one and then execute it. Now, this is really simple, but the downside is that it is probably uh, the slowest way of executing these transactions. Um, So there's been a bunch of work that happens in normal computer science where you will be paralyzing. So you'll be taking things that are not dependent on each other and then running them at the same time across different cores on the same machine. Um, that's something that Solana has been uh, doing extremely well. Um, Solana has basically pushed the bounds for how much you can do that. And that honestly comes at um, the trade-off where things become a lot more complex in Solana's case. As an application developer, you actually get impacted by that. Um, but uh, the way that we're doing it is we are requiring smart contracts to establish dependencies with each other. Um, and then if two smart contracts are independent, um, can be executed in parallel at the end of the block. So these are for um, smart contracts that are related to the order book. So at the end of the block, we'll just take um, all the smart contracts that are doing order book related transactions. And then there'll be separate cores on the machine that are running um, all of these transactions or all of these order replacements in parallel. Okay, sweet. And so did you say that's something that is already being implemented elsewhere? Not exactly the same way, but you touched on like some other chains or I think chains that we're doing that or something along those lines. Yeah. So the way that Solana does it is they do it at an account level, which makes things a lot more complicated. Um, so in Solana's case, when you're passing along a transaction, you need to specify which accounts are going to be updated inside of that transaction. And then based off that, if there's the same amount that it's being updated by multiple transactions, then you cannot parallelize that in the scope of um, a block. Um, so in, because of that, they have more complex things that happen like, Crank turning, for example, um, which is what the downside of Serum, which is rather than being able to do things in one step like you can do on, say, you need to do things in like two to three separate steps because you don't uh, necessarily know which accounts are going to be updated when you try to place a market order because it can touch a lot of different um, things in order book. Um, so uh, feel free to like ask me to clarify any specific points on that. 
Um, and then some other chains that are doing this would be Sweep, for example, which also um, makes use of parallelization for any, basically any transactions that are not um, updating shared state. So if a transaction is only going to be touched an account and no other transaction is touching an account, then you can safely go ahead and execute that transaction. Um, but if multiple transactions are touching an account um, or touching some kind of smart contract state, then the order in which they get processed does start to matter. Um, so in that case, you need to basically run them sequentially one after the other. And Aptos is doing something similar as well. Um, we can get into that if you think it would be helpful. Cool. Um, we could a bit, but I think that was a really good overview. That was sort of what I was imagining and um, much more eloquently than I would have been able to try and stumble through it. But so I guess with all that being said, the next thing I'm sort of wondering is just how much of this, I guess, why aren't we seeing it more throughout the cosmos? And then maybe kind of partner question of that. Um, is it applicable for every chain? Like just faster block times in general, right? Obviously incredibly important for an order book based uh, decks or just order book based, whatever you might want to build. But across the board, pretty helpful, right? Like, I mean, just faster block times for the most part. Um, why aren't we seeing this like more across the cosmos? Is it just that you guys are first? Is it that there are some drawbacks to it or... Uh, yeah, like I know you said you're kind of tweaking the Cosmos core code or Tendermint core code quite a bit. Um, yeah, we don't need to yeah. get into exactly what that means. It would be lost on me probably, but yeah, maybe we could just I, touch. Yeah, so I think um, getting faster blocks is something that every Cosmos chain is capable of doing. Um, the reason it hasn't been done is because that hasn't been a priority for most chains. Um, we're working really closely with Zaki and Marco, who are both very knowledgeable about Cosmos and Tendermint and basically everything that we're doing right now or a lot of the stuff that we're doing is stuff that can be replicated by other chains as well. So it should be pretty safe to get down to um, like two to three second block times instead of the normal six to seven that you would see. Um, after that, I think it becomes a lot more application specific in terms of how you're going to um, get improved performance. And then it might also come at the trade-off of, for example, having a smaller validator set or having a less geographically distributed validator set. Um, so those are going to be trade-offs that you might need to make if you want to have even faster blocks. Yeah, so I guess I've always wondered, actually, how direct is the relation between like size of the validator set? Um, in particular, I know quality of each validator and all that can matter as well. And block time slash throughput, throughput which seem to be pretty, pretty related. Yeah, so we actually did a fair amount of benchmarking for this, and I tweeted about it a couple of weeks ago as well. Um, so what we actually noticed from the lower bound for block times is that uh, the number of validators does not actually matter as much, but their geolocation does matter. So validators that are all, let's say if they're all in the same data center, there will be lower networking latencies. So it's going to be much faster for them to um, reach consensus and to propagate new blocks. Um, if you're spread out across the United States, and let's say, um, your other validator is in Japan or like somewhere in Eastern Asia, then that's going to lead to uh, much higher network latency. So that's going to be hurting performance. Um, so that, that was one of the biggest things we noticed that geolocation does matter a lot. Um, and increasing the number of validators does eventually 
lead to issues, but like in we looked at between um, three validators and other validators, and as the number of validators increased, it didn't actually impact the lower bound for block times as much. But we're still doing load testing to figure out how it would impact the upper bound of um, uh, block time and throughput. Okay, and so for everyone listening, upper and lower bounds meaning like kind of touching back to my question on dynamic blockchains, uh, block times, correct? So like the lower bound would be the quickest it could possibly go and upper would be the slowest. Exactly. Lower bound would yep. be with zero transactions in each block. Upper bound would be with the max number of transactions being put in each block. Interesting. So from at least your guys' tests and every network's configured differently, but location played a bigger role than size of like the validator set. That's kind of counterintuitive to me, but I guess it I guess it makes sense when you're dealing with times as low as yours. Exactly. Yeah. So we've basically opened right. these results. Um, we'd be happy to kind of work with other teams that are trying to replicate them. But that was one of the most unexpected takeaways that we had from our side. Sweet. Okay. Cool. Um, so this one might be a, a little bit tricky to ask. I'm not sure if it's even totally answerable, but for a non-developer like myself, and this is the tricky part, kind of putting it into layman's term, what exactly um, do you guys mean when you say like the the core infrastructure we provide, the sort of packages? Like, is it sort of in the way that you know, if you were to go and build on Juno, there are some built-in functions, or any Cosmos SDK, built-in functions that you know are already embedded at the core level. You use them; they do set things, and you guys have that sort of stuff set up to work for order book based things and with your chain or I might have butchered that sort of but I think trying to kind of explain the benefit you provide for third party projects I think would be really helpful here yeah I mean it's exactly as you described it we're creating a new module I mean any smart contract that's building on top can make use of that module similar to how it would make use of any other um Cosmos SDK module. So it should be very, very similar to creating a new Juno smart contract, for example. Okay, super cool. Right. And so then, so it, there would just be sort of pre, I don't know if functions is the right word, forgive me, just sort of colloquially speaking, you know, a default function for um, how liquidity is submitted or uh, I don't know exactly. what else. Yeah, yeah so right. If you're creating a smart contract that wants to leverage the order book, um, there's a few functions you would need to define for how to place an order, how to cancel an order, how like um, order execution, order matching, all that stuff works, and then you're good to go. Um, so, so it should be pretty straightforward. You, you keep saying the the order book, and I can think of like two different sort of things you mean by that. Is it would would each protocol create their own custom order book using your sort of tools and built-in functions and such? Or is it that there's sort of a singular chain-wide order book? Uh, there's a singular chain-wide order book. So yep. these data structures are maintained at the chain level rather than being tracked in like the storage of each individual smart contract. Um, but each market will be kind of siloed off from every other market. So in, in practice, each a smart contract will end up having its own, basically, markets inside of this shared order book. Okay, so, okay, cool. I'm glad I figured out what question to ask there, because that's the thing I wasn't quite wrapping my head around. It's not necessarily shared liquidity, but it is a shared order book, right? Exactly, yeah. Okay, 
Okay, so then would projects have the ability to do some form of like shared liquidity if they wanted? I feel like that would be pretty easy, right? Like they could say, or even if one project, let's say something Coinbase ask wanted to do a, you know, Coinbase Pro and a Coinbase regular, maybe different user experiences, different tools, different contract addresses, but share from like a pool of liquidity. Is that something that's pretty doable? Yeah, that will be pretty straightforward for teams to do. Um, it's just that based off conversations, it seemed like that would be giving up a moat. But yeah, I mean, if teams are interested in doing that, either for because they're essentially the same team or because they want to collaborate with other partners that they trust, um, yeah, that's definitely doable. Okay, cool. Yeah, probably a niche. It's like Survivor. You start like building allegiances. Right. <laughs> we'll, we'll share some of our Osmo liquidity if you share some of your Atom. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know that's totally doable, and especially with interchain accounts, um, the ability to do um, not only just things built exclusively on say, but completely cross-chain smart contract execution um, is possible. So we're building out a really robust DeFi ecosystem on top of say, um, but you know that doesn't exclude and silo kind of what's happening in the say ecosystem from everything else that's like IBC connected. Um, when interchain accounts like go live, the the ability to do kind of like cross functional application um, programming and like execution is going to be crazy, like absolutely bonkers. So we'll we'll see kind of what that all yields. But um, my mind like just goes in so many different directions when I start thinking about what that enables. Awesome. Okay. Cool. So I have. I have a pretty good uh, picture in my head, I think, at this point of kind of how it all works and what your guys' goal is. I think it was, let me ask this, what chain or project do you guys see as your closest competition? And I understand that maybe none, because you guys are kind of unique in what you're doing, but I obviously came in thinking, you know, maybe it's like Kajira and Injective, but it almost feels maybe more like, like, some of the ecosystem chains maybe you guys just don't have one at all but who do you see as like the closest thing to competition or at least mm -hmm. yeah we definitely do we see like um aptos and sui and you could say like solana so okay. solana was an l1 chain that initially you know had a lot of the support of alameda and sam bankman fried was uh the founder of um of serum and their idea was to build out this chain and build out the nasdaq on on blockchain and it was a really cool concept but then solana took off in a lot of different directions right um nfts have been a great use case and, and exploded on solana um step in is, is a, a cool app and one of the few apps in crypto that in a while this gotten significant massive adoption uh and that's been built on solana but those aren't the DeFi applications and derivatives that were initially kind of imagined when they're building out Serum. And so we are kind of building out Serum as its own native L1 chain. Um, so you could call Solana a competitor, but we're not going to have to deal with the issues of um, not only just the outages that Solana faces, but really the like congestion and um, like slower block execution when um, there's a lot of congestion on chain. And then Aptos and Sui. So I think kind of when you think of like third generation L1 blockchains, that's really where we where we lie, lie. But we're not a third generation L1 blockchain for everyone to make everyone happy. It's exclusively for 
uh, DeFi applications that would look to use an order book. Right, right. And that doesn't necessarily mean only order book based apps, because I could see a, a whole suite of protocols that build on top of other order book based B apps on your platform, like whether they're yield farming things or whatever. Um, exactly. So it's like open to an extent. Yeah. Exactly. DeFi native, like even if it was a stable right. coin, right? But it was a stable coin that's going to get significant adoption and help adoption of the D apps built on, say, then that makes sense. But if you're making like a really dope game where, you know, you're going to be trading skins and like your character has to gets to earn, you know, credits in game for doing things in the game, um, that natively wouldn't be something that would go on, say. They, they could go yeah. to other chains for that. Yep. Yep. And hopefully with uh, like, you know, the growing interchain accounts and Cosmos, that'll be a pretty seamless process, even if there is some desired integration between that sort of project and something built on, say. Sweet. So I guess we I should have touched on this at the beginning, but I just I like it. So I want to make sure we mention it at some point here. Where does the name come from? I'll let you guys. But it goes to none other than Coney Daddy himself. Um, we were kind of contemplating um, what is the the meta of this chain and what are the goals? And the idea is that this is an L1 optimized for an order book. And what does an order book do? It provides transparency. It brings people on chain and it provides the, the views of the depths, right? Of the order book. So a say is a whale. It's a native whale of the deep seas and it's one of the fastest whales ever. So you can Google it, say whale. Um, but yeah, so it's deep seas, right? So it's the idea of liquidity and being able to see the depths of the order book um, and exploring the depths and having all the transparency of it versus a, uh, um, a like AMM where you can't see, you know, in the order book and, and the depths of liquidity. And, and then also the, idea of the, the, the whale being fast, right. And, and fast execution. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. So wait, wait, are you, you're saying Coney daddy came up with that or when you guys were talking one day? Yeah, we were brainstorming. We had a lot of different names around to the chain and he was the one that came up with say, um, and it's clean and it's three letters and it's yeah. memeable. And, uh, the community are the sailors. SEI. Um, and we've done a whole lot around kind of this nautical and exploring the depths theme. Uh, hence my profile photo that was actually with Coney daddy when we took that. Um, and yeah, so there's just a fun, a lot of shit we can do with kind of memeing that and growing around kind of this exploration and, and like charting new design space for DeFi. Um, and then also, um, our mascot is a, uh, underwater drone. And his name is uh, Michael, Michael Saylor. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. So speaking of the sailors, the community sort of, <clears throat> I feel like, have you guys done either some marketing or prior building or have some connections or something to other ecosystems? Because I feel like you guys have a pretty, like quite a few people in your discord, almost more than I feel like I've seen on all of Cosmos Twitter. Um, good amount of like followers on the Twitter and everyone seems fairly like engaged and active whenever I go through discord or whatever else. Um, is, are these all like cosmonauts or do you guys have a little bit of a presence elsewhere or some connections or something? I can touch. I've been awfully quiet over here so I can kind of, uh, touch a little bit about that. Um, yeah, we have like uh, 20K, around 20K Discord members um, that we call sailors. Um, you know, they're, they're often uh, communicating every day, creating content, 
um, participating in the Sainami testnet um, and just stress testing the chain. But I think that a lot of our community is A, cosmonauts, um, B, Terra refugees, and also just general crypto participants because there's there's just a massive need to have like good trading infrastructure, good DeFi infrastructure. And that applies to to everyone, not just in the Cosmos ecosystem. Awesome. Um, what yeah. Is, is there any particular Terra connection or something? Lunk Dow was actually in here a minute ago, like requesting to speak, which I thought was kind of yeah, odd. <laughs> but um, yeah. No, yeah, yeah. The the Lunk Dow guys are are hilarious. But I think that a big part of why the, the Terra ecosystem is so interested in say is partly to do with the recent um, retrograde and vortex merger. So vortex is going to be one of the, the flagship protocols built on say um, it's going to be a perpetuals protocol. And they recently just merged with retrograde who were really big um, and esteemed builders in the Terra ecosystem. Um, uh, we've also, okay. Uh, if if you kind of look at our tweets, we've also hinted at um, kind of um, supporting the the Terra ecosystem via some some ways. I I don't want to leak too much alpha, but if if you uh, kind of look at um, some of the recent tweets that we've had, um, they're going to be one of the the communities that um, is going to be supported by us and and taken care of by us. Uh, through a variety of methods. So if that, if that makes any sense, if that um, was, was any enough alpha. Cool. Well, as, as a wrecked lunatic myself, that's fun to hear. <laughs> yeah. um, I think that like just the Cosmos ecosystem is a good, because Terra itself was, was built with the Cosmos SDK. So a lot of Terra builders, um, a lot of the Terra community members, like um, the Cosmos ecosystem is just like a good place for them to come. and. And it's a very wholesome and, and welcoming community. So, yeah, no, I feel like it took a little bit longer than you'd think for some Terra people to like learn that. <laughs> but yeah, definitely, I've seen a really beautiful sort of mixing of minds and sort of transferring to bigger and better things. So, very cool. So, I guess to like become a sailor, first off, as always, with pretty much every project we talk to like first step definitely join their discord i think uh link in your bio i assume or in the link tree yep so on the sailor account here but um what could be the next steps people who want to get involved already is is there s- slots for the next test net the current one that's running um what other things step so, one join the discord step two question mark um right now we're in act two of test net and the first act was very uh, validator focused. So you kind of had to have some more technical kind of some developer skills, but for the second act, you really don't need those like complex dev skills to get involved. Um, most of the missions are uh, revolve around trading on Vortex and using the Vortex UI and kind of just stress testing and, and trying to break Vortex. So, you know, like one of the missions is get liquidated, for example, or place along in short order. So, um, you know, we, we encourage everyone and um, all people to come and try to open degenerate long and short positions to just play around with, with what Vortex is going to be. Um, we also have, we also just announced um, we're opening up our ambassador program again. So a few months ago, we opened up 
um, our first kind of ambassador program and we had around a thousand applicants. Um, and just like the community members and the content that, that people have been making has just been just phenomenal. So we wanted to reopen the ambassador program to give everyone a chance to participate and, and get involved and, and to be a part of the fam. Um, because, you know, like, like myself, I'm not a dev, um, you know, running a validator node is, is a bit out of my league, but um, there should be a place for everyone in the state community. So um, yeah, we just opened up Atlantis is what it's called. And we kind of wanted to make like a gamified ambassador program where everyone can join and participate. So in the beginning, everyone is a sailor, um, which you just get by being in discord participating. And then once you reach level seven in discord, you become a crew member. And then um, you can kind of work your way up to officer, captain, major, and then even admiral. So um, there's, there's plenty of opportunity and, and, and room for everyone aboard to get involved and, and to be a part of this A team. Awesome. Well, on behalf of, I think probably a couple of people listening here who've been involved in a lot of the recent drama with some other projects, uh, applaud you guys on like, an ambassador program in that like I, that's the sort of transparent big way to go about it i don't know if you guys are aware at all but there's recently been some drama about like a couple other projects in the ecosystem and a part of that has been like undisclosed shilling groups and i always had this thought of like shilling and marketing is not bad i work in marketing you just have to do it right you have to make it like transparent and official and even have fun with it with something like what you guys just described. So um, I love to hear all that. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I, I, I've seen that all. Sorry to cut you off, Dan, but um, you know, like yourself, I, I see everything that happens on crypto Twitter. Um, but we just, we just kind of wanted to make a way for everyone to get involved regardless of what they're good at. So, you know, um, you're good at making diagrams, you're making graphics, you're good at making videos, memes, just threads. Like these are the type of people we want to have in our community. And these are the type of people that make like the crypto ecosystem great. So yeah, like I, I referring to like some of the other kind of layer ones that were not really fostering the right environment for the people who wanted to get involved. Um, we just kind of took note of that and just, um, you know, try to make the best, the best way to do it. So, so yeah, that's uh, the Atlantis ambassador program. Yeah, totally. And, and the idea behind Atlantis too, is that we're trying to provide opportunities for people. So like, um, like I was an early member of like salt lendings community back in like um, middle of 2017. Yeah. I was the one that like created the original telegram group and like, that's yeah. crazy, dude. I probably yeah, talked to you back then. That's oh, insane. I'm sure, dude. I was all over. But that's kind of how I got my start in crypto. And now I've been working full time in this space really since the end of 2017. Um, and I helped kind of build out some of their marketing and ambassador programs at at, at uh, Salt Lending. And um, Joe, that's like on our Say account, also got to know the team through, you know, discords. Um, Aurora and our team was originally an ambassador for Sentinel and she was amazing. She ran Sentinel Croatia and I got to know her in person at Cosmoverse. And I was like, holy shit, you run Sentinel Croatia, you kick ass. Like I need you on the Exidio team. And that's, that happened. And so this is, that's the whole idea is that there's tons of opportunity for people to come up and to like bring a lot of value and gain opportunities in crypto. 
And so that's exactly what we're leaning into with the Atlantis ambassador program is that this is an opportunity to grow your career. Not only earn some crypto, like as you, you know, participate, but really it's about um, take, taking on extra opportunities, gaining experience, and then trying to find opportunities in, in Web3. And when you get to that kind of like last level of um, um, Admiral within the ambassador program, uh, that's where we'll be actively, proactively looking for jobs for you in, in crypto, whether it's directly at Say, whether it's at a protocol built on Say, or whether it's that we're pitching and, and uh, selling you to other teams that we know across the ecosystem. Um, we haven't announced it yet, but there's already been uh, fundraise that's happened. And there's a lot of like, we're pretty well connected already just in our nine months of existence uh, across the cosmos, across, um, you know, market makers, across funds, across uh integration applications like um liquid staking and bridges and pretty much you name it across the cosmos ecosystem we're already pretty well connected um and i've been really impressed with the pace at which we've developed but those are also all the opportunity sets that we're going to open up to people that really want to continue to provide value and get involved in the atlantis ambassador program awesome i love it yeah there's i get questions quite frequently about like just how can I get started in Web3? Like very open-ended. I don't know necessarily. I don't have any directly applicable skills or X, Y, Z. And so I think the more stuff like this that's around, uh, the better. Um, super awesome. So uh, I have to run at the 30-minute mark coming up here. So first, I want to give you guys a chance to touch on or bring up any last things we maybe haven't got to. And then if there's time, um, let anyone who wants to maybe ask some questions come up. We can do like a little AMA, but yeah, anything, anything else we want to touch on that we didn't get to for any of you three? No, I think we're good from my side. I'd be happy to go into the questions that folks from the audience have. Cool. I don't have any requests right now, so I'm not sure if people do, but if you guys want to ask any questions, feel free to start requesting. And uh, If so, we'll let people up in a second. I guess one little question I, I have is like, to what extent is or actually kind of a two-part question so like what is say as far as your guys employment are you guys like an llc somewhere that's like uh yeah yeah as, as an entity versus the chain yeah so everyone that is on the call right now we are all associated with say labs Inc., which is a usl versus corp and our only purpose is to make open source software um, then there are entities in Panama that are running the actual protocol. Um, so they're the ones that are um, actually running the protocol. And um, our, our US team is literally just creating open source software. What do you mean running the protocol? So the foundation is the one that's responsible for, um, I guess, getting the initial protocol started, like working with the different validators to get the... Uh, Ah, uh, okay, okay. Have the, yeah, I guess just launch the chain. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, I was just sort of curious. We sort of touched on that. Um, sweet. So I'm not getting any requests here. I think we did do a pretty thorough job of covering stuff. So maybe, maybe I just touched on the couple questions that people had. I had some requests earlier, but they've since gone down. So maybe we covered it. Yeah. Cool. Um, so I guess first step for everyone um, listening, uh, if it's a recording later, um, check out 
What's your guys' website, actually? What's the URL? Obviously, come check out Say It Network here on Twitter. So S-E-I Network. Um, and then there'll be a link tree in the bio there. Um, and then, yeah, what's your guys' URL? It's saynetwork.io. Super simple. Sweet. And then we got one person popping up with a question, I think. Go ahead, Polly. Greetings, everyone. Please want to ask and for the security of the network. Just like um, in the recent times, we've been noticing some hacks of um, protocols and uh, networks. Just recently, Nomad. Uh, Nomad um, really went down because of the hack. And I was really affected uh, with the funds I have there. So uh, what's the security level like um, in the side network? Thank you. Yeah, security is honestly one of the... I guess it is the number one priority that we have as a team. Um, so around that, the incentivized testnet period is mainly meant to be testing the security outside of just testing the basic functionality of the chain itself. Um, so giving out a lot of rewards for Act 3 and Act 4 as well to identify any issues with um, the code or any potential exploits that could happen in the future as well that we haven't already accounted for. Um, before minute launch, we're also planning to get audited by at least one auditing firm. And I mean, besides that, our team is going to be very thoroughly reviewing anything before we um, launch on midnight. Okay, that's good. That's good. Cool. Yeah, and actually, I guess to to that point, um, long term, let's let's pretend things get like very big. I assume at first you guys will take a very active role in sort of doing a little bit of self audit for like governance submitted code, but if things get bigger and expand, um, how do you imagine? that the security of third party uh, pieces of code kind of being maintained. Let's say we get to a point where the network is very decentralized. It's the, the governance power is pretty spread out among users and a couple large, you know, projects or whatever. And so it's pretty possible, you know, governance could get through just with, you know, fervor from the people. Everyone's in support of the general idea or something. Nobody really checks the code. It goes on. Um, obviously that's a problem for all networks. So less so am I asking like, Oh, how do you prevent that? But more so kind of building off my question prior of you guys as say the entity versus uh, like the network, like to what extent do you guys think you'll be able to maintain that sort of, or do you even want to maintain a sort of policing role? Maybe you don't. Yeah. I mean, the initial contributors have no desire to be involved uh, with the project in a kind of centralized capacity in the longer term. Um, so it's going to be entirely based off what governance decides is the right process to be doing any kind of network upgrade. I anticipate that there will need to be pretty rigorous code review before anything can be upgraded. And I also anticipate there might be requirements for getting audited as well um, before anything can be upgraded on mainnet in the, I guess, further future. Cool, 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 cool. Yeah, and as always in Web3, security will be an ongoing battle. It's just about doing the best you can. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Sweet. It's definitely top of mind for everyone. It is pretty scary, just everything that's been happening in the past couple of weeks. Yeah, I feel like there's like patches too. Like we'll have a couple months of like nothing bad happening and then suddenly it'll seem like nothing's secure. We'll get a news article every week about a protocol or even a Microsoft Word exploit or something that's new. So it's, it's an uphill battle for sure. But um, sounds like we're in good hands for say. Cool. So I don't think uh, no other questions for now. Um, 
if we touched on everything you guys wanted, I think we can probably wrap it up here. Awesome. Thank you so much awesome. for having us over here. It was uh, a lot of insightful questions, so appreciate your time. Yeah, no, I'm really glad we got to kind of like dig in a bit. Um, I was a little bit worried I had this hard stop at the hour and a half mark, but I think we, we got through a lot of everything. I feel like I got a really good understanding of your project. Hopefully people do too by the lack of questions. Um, and if not, as always, my DMs are always open. These guys Discord is super active. Um, do you guys have like a Telegram group as well probably that we shout out or do you try and concentrate stuff on Discord? Yeah, you can head over to Telegram as well. We definitely have the majority of our activity on Discord, but at Telegram, it's at say network. Cool, cool, cool. All right, guys, so get involved. Check out um, some of the incentivized testnet opportunities um, coming up. And yeah, hopefully I'll talk with you guys again soon, maybe around the time of your launch. I'd love to kind of rehash everything once I get to play around with stuff. Yeah, that'd be dope. No, I appreciate it. And thanks for hosting. This This has been good times. Yeah, absolutely. All right, guys. Thanks so much for joining me. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Terra Spaces for recording, as always. Um, and we, I will not catch you guys next week for Cosmonaut Bootcamp. I'm going to be traveling all day again. But we will have a space with the Secret Labs team, I think, the day before. So just stay tuned on my profile. I'll release some details about that. We'll get that set up. Um, and we'll keep the good stuff rolling. So. Everybody have a great night. Um, we better see you guys in Columbia. Yeah, I, I got a ticket. I got All a right. ticket. I got that early bird pricing I saw where it was like a couple Adam or something. And I was like, all right, <laughs> yeah, I'll grab that. <laughs> Hell yeah. Sweet. All right, guys. Um, everybody have a great night. Thanks for checking out another episode of The Ether. That was Cosmonaut Bootcamp, exploring the depths of liquidity with Say Network. Hosted by Tendermint Timmy. Recorded on Wednesday, August 10th, 2022. For Terraspaces.org, I'm Finn. Thanks for listening. Put your hands up like you got a couple questions. Ain't no misdirection, just a bunch of flexing. All aggressive, insane from all directions. Smoke rolls in when I start a session. Blink canvas, blaze up the handlers. Rocking back and forth like I got the van stuck. Don't grind the clutch, mind your hush. Put your mask on and don't touch the antlers. Feeling untouchable when I'm on the verse. But in the universe, I'm just writing some words. Enticing these nerds while I'm laying out my memoirs. Like, remember when I had to fight the centaur? I'm a book nerd, let me take you on the journey Lost in the labyrinth, searching out the lost fern For certain, got the taxes included Acting like a writer, never felt secluded Just another fixed game of try my luck Go lighten up dog. it could always be worse Unless you're in the back of a hearse When you're dead or putting in new speakers It's a toss up, driver or just tweakers Don't stress yo, I've done the research
research Living life like a bunch of fucking lemurs It's a remake Off the cutting floor we take A little bit of poison and put it in the cheesecake Tastes great, less filling Less stress, more killing As he blew the cornerstone out the building And the blocks came tumbling down all humble Feels like we're drowning in a little puddle Rebuttal? I should be taking off in the shuttle Getting high in space with the Hubble